Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Saladcast this season. I'm myself, Glenn Price, and I'm joined by Ollie Warner in Ollie, what has been a very um, up and down week. Let's leave it at that, I suppose. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be hard for us to come. We were saying before we started about how it's going to be hard for us to mm. get really excited and then kind of down, which I think is fair. It's not, it's not inaccurate to say that we didn't really perform um, to the levels that we expect. And also, I'm sure the man- levels that the manager and also the players expected um, is a bit one of those weeks. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's funny because like often we were under Ricketts, you know, having a bit of a down moment because of the poor performances, but they were fairly consistently happening, weren't they? And sort of suppose under uh, under Askey as well. And then during the Hurst regime, it was pretty much always quite good football, even when we lost. Whereas I can't I can't think of a week like this where we've played really really well on a Tuesday, like fantastically well, and then put in a, such an abject performance on the Saturday. You know, to, it is one of those weeks for the for the first time in quite a long time where the the, the sort of disparate nature of those two performances is something that's quite hard to understand at times yeah totally and I think what's that's partly why I think um, some fans were so surprised yeah um, in terms of the response to the game um, but we'll get into the fan response after the MK Dons game yeah but it was definitely a game of a week of two halves um uh, but yeah, the fun game first, so we can enjoy that one. So that'll be fun. Yeah, I've definitely got a lot more to say about MK Dons than I have about <laughs> the Bristol Rovers game, where almost nothing happened as far as we're concerned. But yeah, you're right in terms of fun game, MK Dons. And um, yeah, it's it's been a long time since we beat them. So yeah, let's crack on with this week and get into um, the Shrewsbury Town versus MK Dons game. Tini's ball in there, dangerous from set pieces, and that's cracked in as well. Looks like Drummond got the final touch to it, and Shrewsbury Town are ahead within three minutes. So Shrewsbury Town 4, yes that's right, 4, MK Dons 2, um, our goals through Sean Goss uh, who got 2, um, an Ollie Norburn penalty and a Curtis Main penalty, um, Will Grigg did bag obviously as he was always going to um, and also a, a goal from Brown um, right near the end as well to make it 4-2. So yeah, before we get into the details of the game Ollie, we'll, we'll have a look at a few stats like we usually do and um, I, I went and had a bit of research, um, you might have seen it on Twitter if you follow the Blue and Amber account but um, into when was the last time we had 2 penalties in a game um, and that was the 22nd of October 2016 both penalties scored by that man Ivan Tony Ollie um, do you remember that game no I can't remember <laughs> it, to be honest. it was one of those games that was quite important in keeping us uh, in and amongst the sort of uh, keeping us out of relegation trouble that season I have wasn't this it? like really good knowledge of every game <laughs> since we're doing the podcast because of the um, because of that, but yeah, before that, it's kind of a bit of a blur. Oh, there you go. Even like, even like the main miss, I forgot that. And then when I watched <laughs> it, I was like, oh yeah, that came flooding back. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I don't have as yeah. Some people have amazing memories for goals and stuff, but yeah, from only since doing the podcast for me. I think some sometimes games stand like that because it is unusual for us to get two penalties to score two penalties a game. I say it's been what's that five, six, five and a half years, six years, something like that since it last happened. And interestingly, you mentioned Maine there. Obviously, he was the one that scored the second penalty. So that was the first time since two thousand and six, fourteenth of January two thousand six, Ollie, that we'd had two different penalty scorers in a game. Um, obviously, you normally a penalty taker stays on and, and takes the second one if they're about. But um, yeah, that was scored by Kevin Sharp and Colin McMenamin. Um, and yeah, so yeah, that's what, 20, 20 odd years ago now, isn't it? So yeah, quite an unusual circumstance with the penalties, which was great. And in terms of Norburn, um, bagged again. Um, he's now taken 10 pens and only missed one Ollie. Um, so he's on nine penalties scored. Um, and since we came back into the league, you know, that puts him top penalty scorer with Grant Holt on nine as well. So um, interestingly, on the night Ollie, if he'd have had the penalty that he gave Maine he, and gone to 10, he would be our outright, outright top 
goal scorer of penalties since we came back into the league. So, yeah, I don't think he probably knew that at the time, Ollie, but he's missed his record for, for the moment. I'm sure he'll get it down the line. Yeah, no, that's a good one. <laughs> and then, yes, obviously the main one, Ollie. It's the first time we've beaten MK Dons since 2007. So, well overdue victory, wasn't it? And, um, yeah, a, a very entertaining victory as well. Yeah, no, it was good. I did say in the end in the podcast last week that we will score four goals. Oh yeah, and um, I didn't expect it to happen in one game. It was quite funny. I got a bit of a friend, friendly abuse, I'd put it that way, um, in terms of the how I was contradicting myself, saying I don't think we can score enough goals to get um, get into the playoffs. Yeah, and then we score four goals in one game. So um, yeah, it was a bit friendly banter in the weeks, which is quite. Funny. Well, we certainly made up for it on the next game anyway, but we'll get to that we later. Did. So yeah, I was hoping that um, I wasn't going to be proved right, but sadly I was. Mm. Um, so team team was exactly the same. Um, I don't think we really need to repeat it. I think we said it about a million times. I think everyone knows the, the starting lineup. So there's absolutely no changes um, to the team, and we carried on with our four two three one formation um, with Goss playing behind Main. So yeah, and it was a bit of a, a surprise, wasn't it, that we had the change? Um, Bristol Rovers mm. were hoping Love would be back. Um, yeah, sounds like he could be out for a few weeks. Ugh, disappointing. Yeah, it didn't go quite as well at Bristol Rovers, did it? With the, with the changes, it was. But we'll we'll have a look at what options we got there when we get to that game. But yeah, I suppose we were we were logged on, uh, get the old iFollow stream up and. Um, it was a very encouraging start from town and I think that it was pretty obvious early on Ollie that MK Dons wanted to play football get their goalkeeper 35 yards out of goal making passes to the centre-backs and to be honest with you it looked initially very early on that that was going to play completely into our hands didn't it? Yeah it's, it's playing out the back is obviously you know something that's very fashionable yep. um, it's very effective when it works it's very effective if you are um, yeah Man City or Seville or someone like that with Gift, exceptionally gifted technical technical players. Um, the trouble in League One, it has been working well for NK Dons. You know, yeah, they've yeah, been yeah. on a good run before we played them. They were top of the form table, um, but yeah, League One players being inconsistent, there is a, a risk that this is going to happen. Um, and it's interesting actually. I noticed that we were playing the ball out the back as well. So obviously we knew. And we thought we'd play that game a little bit as well, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, well, Grig wasn't great at shutting, shutting defensive uh, channels down, was he, to be honest with you? So it was probably meant that we could afford to take that risk, I suppose. He's more deadly yeah. as that kind of... Well, him and Jerome are not really yeah. that mobile. No, they weren't. So I, I can see why we did it in this game. But yeah, it was just, I think, you know, we're starting to see the pattern under Cottrell and this week just crystallises it that when we've got a lot more possession and we've got to work our way through teams, we're not quite as good. Yet when we've got teams yeah. that like to hold the ball, play out from the back and come at us and we can counter them with pace and a bit of skill we're much better and, and in, in this game completely crystallised it and you know we had a lot of a lot of sort of little counter-attacks before we even scored that first goal didn't we yeah we did and I'm talking of um, t- attack, um, attacks and percentages and wins and stuff a bit of doing a bit of um, kind of not really pod prep but just kind of analysis stuff looking at some data oh yeah and um, when we um, win games Glenn um, we have an average of 41% possession all right when we lose games, you have an average of fifty-two percent possession. <laughs> Too much ball. We need we need yes, less we 11, possession. Yes, yes, we have eleven percent. So in the games where we beat top sides, and um, Peter are forty-two, Sundown forty-two, Sundown thirty-eight, Doncaster thirty-four, and Lincoln twenty-eight percent possession. Yeah. So when we have um, low momentum possession, you know we're much better attacking. And interestingly, look at the difference between Cottrell and Ricketts. Um, under Cottrell, we have nearly five percent less less of the ball. Interesting. Yeah. So, but then doing that, actually, Cottrell has a better XG, so one point three seven versus one point two. But and also, we we score more goals, mm. so we score one point two six versus one. Yeah. So for me, it's, I think that's really smart from from Cottrell. He's seen what we've got. Um, I think Ollie Norburn um, said it in the week. We're better at counter attacking, for sure, um, and it really worked. And my final little stat I thought was quite interesting. So in this game against MK Dons, we had twelve counter attacks and had five shots. 
Nice. Yeah. What do you reckon we had against Rolu? One and no shots, <laughs> something like that. That's really close, Ben. <laughs> that is really impressive. Um, you, we had zero counter attacks yeah, thought... and zero shots. Oh, there we go. There we go. I thought we might have had um, the last one might have been a counter attack. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's uh, I'm really impressed. That's good that you said that because one is yeah. Basically, we just didn't counter attack and. We'll come on to obviously a bit more about the MK Don's. Uh, sorry, the Rovers game later. But yeah, I thought those stats were worked quite nice into what you were just saying about possession. No, because it certainly works to our strengths. It's fascinating actually that the, 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 I sort of noticed it on the agenda earlier on about how yeah got less less possession and stuff. But yeah, it's it's an interesting conundrum that Cottrell's still got to figure out. It's hard to talk about this week without talking about both games. So I think we're, we're fair enough yeah. to throw forward a few things. But that's the conundrum, isn't it, for the for the for the squad to work out now? Is these poorer teams we're having the biggest trouble with when we've got more of the ball? And is there a different option or is there some sort of tactical tweak we can make to? to to figure teams out because we seem fine against the MK Dons and the Lincolns and the Hulls you know without the ball we still look dangerous and it keeps teams teams guessing but you know say the Bristol Rose game we looked completely anemic like we used to under Ricketts so it's a, it's a difficult yeah. conundrum that we haven't been able to figure out for a while really and, and we've seemed to struggle against these poor teams for, for yeah. a while yeah. And just one one final thing on this kind of the data. Um, basically, like an attack, which is where you have the ball in open play and mm-hmm. it's not a counter attack it's, it's defined as a positional attack now we had thirty of those against Rovers um, and and zero and three shots um, where obviously they and against MK Dons we only had nine so really obviously we were much more attacking in terms of in terms of being direct and getting forward but also says a lot about how MK Dons played um, mm. and it's similar to the Peterborough game as well wasn't it you know a team that we counter attack yep. we did well yep. um, it's more enjoyable to watch as well gonna... isn't it isn't that weird that we yeah. when we've got more ball we're less entertaining to watch as well which is worrying well, we're not very good at it. <laughs> It comes down to we're not very good at no. it. And I generally think that, you know, when people and um, managers always talk about we need pre-season, we need pre-season. And for me, this is where you need pre-season. I think it's much harder to train and, you know, um, improve your positional attacking play um, in the season. But that's the challenge for the team and be interested to see how they get on with that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, back to the game. I would say it was only four minutes when we got that first goal, wasn't it? And uh, yes. yes, someone involved that we've been having a bit of a chat about over these last few weeks, Donald Love, was, was involved really. But a good good build-up, Ollie. And um, yeah, go on, run us through the goal before we, we talk this about This was it. a really nice bit of play. Um, so yeah, really good tackle from Williams on Jerome. Ball drops to Vela, who sets up Chapman, who runs forward. Obviously, what we love to see, you love, particularly love to see Chapman running with the ball. He runs over the halfway line, um, kind of at an angle to the right. Um, and Harrison, as his first name, passes the ball to Love, um, who plays a really lovely cross into the box. Um, comes to Goss, who turns into, I don't know, like an absolute superstar. Unreal. Chests the ball, brings it down, and then just pokes it through the defender's <laughs> leg. Um, and I thought like he had some kind of like zen calm, like he was some kind of monk, just kind of like calm in the box. Um, and yeah, absolutely fantastic! And what an amazing start, Glenn. And I imagine, yeah, that must have had you jumping off your sofa. That was great. Yeah, it's even more surprising with Goss in that he's basically ne- never scored for us. Has he? he scored one goal in a cup, I think, but mm-hmm. never never scored for us in the league. So these were his first two league goals. And yeah, his composure was was fantastic, and just shows that re- recuperation and um, rejuvenation he's had and, and under Steve Cottrell and Aaron Wirbelham, doesn't it? From frozen out to a player that's now pretty influential within this tactic and is is bagging goals as well. So yeah. Long may his return to form continue, really, I suppose, because, um, you know, I think it was in the preseason pod when someone mentioned he was going to be one of our player of the seasons. It hasn't quite panned out like that, but he can still be an important player for the rest of the season, I think. Yeah, he's, he's doing really well. Um, yeah, he works really well. When we get in the ball, that's the difference, isn't it? You yeah. to get that number 10, the ball. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how MK Don's react. <laughs> Would MK Don's react to how we play? Um, no, they, they imploded, didn't. and they just carried on. <laughs> they, well, they carried on, didn't they? Playing the same way, it's hilarious. Um, 
Um, and yeah, basically, ball given away to Worley um, in, the, in the MK Dens half. He runs forward, passes to Goss, who turns and lays it off to Chapman on the left. Mm. Chapman cuts inside, um, and the defender kind of... It, Chapman did run towards him, but the defender made no attempt to try and no. get out of the way. Um, so he's blocked by the MK de- um, defender. Did you think that was a penalty, Glenn? It's funny. I don't think Chapman gets the ball once he's knocked it away from himself. I think that someone else picks it, either at one of our players or, or it gets defended away, because he, he does hit it quite far out, away from him, away, sort of going out of the box, doesn't he? But the defender's just clumsy. He comes right across him, doesn't he, and, and gives Chapman nowhere to go. So it's a bit of an interest, a bit of a, bit of a not harsh maybe, but I don't think Chapman would have got to the ball, but even if it had gone and, and got cleared it's he still cleared him out didn't he a little bit so I, I wasn't going to complain to be honest with you I, it was just another moment really where you could, sort of could see MK Don slowly unraveling and, and shooting themselves in the foot really which was not not what I expected really considering what, what we talked about their form last week it was just clumsy wasn't it yeah it was clumsy and yeah. also links back to what the, the rule is now it's yep. not about intent no nope. um, it's just about about stopping him so yeah it was definitely a penalty um, and then, yeah, um, what did you think of um, the penalty from Norbert? Emphatic, like most of his penalties, he doesn't piss about with penalties, does he? He just runs up and thumps it in with a bit of, with a bit of craft, and, and normally sends the keeper the wrong way, doesn't he? So, yeah, I don't. He's one of those player, players now where I don't worry about him missing. Do you know what I mean? You, you've just fed... down the middle yeah. always worries me a little. Oh, bit. do you? That's the only thing after. Yeah, he hit down the middle. He gives the keeper the eyes, doesn't he? Rarely, you know. Yeah. If you think about it, he's been doing that quite a bit, and you say he's only missed one out of ten. That's pretty mm. good odds. It's way. In fact, I can tell you, looking at the penalty stats I've got in my spreadsheet. It's way better than most penalty takers, other than Grant Holt. We've had, and obviously, they're the two best ones we've had. People generally miss, you know, one in four, one in five, something like that. So, um, yeah, he's, he's he's a little bit better than the average, I think, looking at it. But yeah, I, I don't know. It went in. I don't really care, Ollie. At the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> two 0 and we were no, we were cruising. Just thought, exactly. Yeah, and then unfortunately, Love went off with a groin strain. Um, yeah, so that was a shame. Harsh. But Daniel's did well when he came on, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did all okay. Yeah. He, I thought he got caught a few times that position, which is not a surprise given he is a more of an attacking player. Um, but I thought he did a decent job considering what he had to do. Better than Pennington, that's for sure, Ollie. I don't yeah, want to pay him a right back again. Than, <laughs> he definitely had performed better than Pennington. Um, but then, yeah, so so yeah, MK Nons gave the ball away to Wally. He needed Maybe think they'd either learn from it or maybe trying to be a bit better. But yeah, this all comes from an MK Nons throw. So we press them, they give the ball away... Wally crosses it and it's a handball. Um, and it's, I thought I was just watching it back and I, I loved the reaction of the centre half. Proper yeah. theatrical hands, oh um, facing hands. Um, yeah, it was. Um, that's what you love to see from, from when it's our own team. Really, really um, silly play for the defender. Lucky he was trying to get his chest down, but. It was a really bad error, and um, yeah, definitely a penalty again. I thought completely misjudged it. Yeah, completely misjudged it, and uh, and, and unfortunate. And it was only twenty minutes in there, wasn't it? And obviously, Main steps up, and we'll talk about his, his pen in a second. But three 0 up after twenty minutes, you know, they they just self destructed, didn't they? It was, you know, it felt like once the wheels come off a little bit in a game like this, it's hard to, to stop it. And two self inflicted wounds with the penalties, but but you yes, can stop it, Glenn, by just going long a little bit. Exactly, they didn't need to keep playing out from the back, and they didn't learn that lesson quickly. Well, they enough. can, yeah, if you're going to get away with it, and you and you're definitely good enough to do it. And obviously. This is one game, so we can't make any, you can't say emphatically if they can't do it. Or they can, you know what I mean? We, we can't say that because we don't watch them regularly. But just for ten minutes or five minutes, just maybe play it long a little bit, um, just to kind of stop making these errors. But it was it was the biggest theme of the game. Their errors. I'm not talking about MK Don's play outside of this game. I'm saying after 20 minutes, when you had Goss, Chapman, and Wally pressing you in a pretty intense way, you got to pick up on that pretty quickly as as the MK Don's manager. And they they did kind of keep going at it even after the third goal. But I, I thought I thought they kind of changed the way they played a little bit. And and as soon as we went through and up as the game went on, we we did our usual thing of being a little bit more standoffish. But even between the goals, we were cutting them apart at will at times, Ollie. Um, and it, 
and it was just so easy. And I honestly thought it was it was pretty hilarious how, how um, kamikaze they were at times. But yeah, as I say, once we went three 0 up, it was pretty much game over after twenty minutes, wasn't it? And um, a good pen, a, a, a good pen. I suppose if you look at it again, Ollie, a keeper almost gets a hand to Maine's goal. And um, I don't know what did you make of Norburn giving the penalty to Maine? Do you think it was sort of almost like you know we appreciate the effort you've been putting in these last few weeks, um, and we want you to get off the mark because we don't want it to sort of be bothering you going forward? And um, you know, one for his confidence, I suppose. Yeah, it was definitely that, wasn't yeah. it? He went over to to the system manager to ask, check for permission, um, uh, and yeah, yeah it was obviously just good for the um, for Maine to get off the off the mark um, and get that first goal. Hopefully, he can get a goal in open play soon. Yeah, it's not happened yet, has it? That's the next the next monkey's got for his back, but he's got one to his name, so that's that's, yeah. that's one. And that's the thing because he played was it was it nine games, fourteen games? I can't remember <laughs> when he was on loan last time. Yeah, he yeah. didn't score, so yeah, it's good for him to get off the mark now. It was, and so yeah, as I say, penalty to the right, bottom right, and the keeper just dived as much as he could, but he couldn't quite get to it. And um, yeah, I thought I thought after that we kept playing well. Um, can't say we didn't play well in this whole game, but we we definitely played with a tiny little bit more caution. We weren't throwing ourselves forward as much as possible. We didn't we didn't really need to there. And um, I suppose it did give them give them a little bit more momentum as the half went on. They they did end up scoring near the end, but I don't think that was a result of us you know sitting off too much. It was just the nature of being three 0 up. It's hard to keep keep going sometimes, isn't it? Mm, I would say this was poor defending. Particularly from Ogbetter from their goal. I don't think it came from us just sitting off though all the time. Is what I'm saying. No, yeah. no, no. This just came from a good bit of play yeah. from NK Dons and kind of shows why. Well, basically, it just came from one man really. Yeah. Um, Laird just basically did um, Ogbetter for pace and strength, and and he really struggled. Vela wasn't too much help. Um, decent cross across the box. Um, no one really tracked um, Greg, and yeah, he's not going to get an easier chance than that. Um, poke it in from a from less than a meter out. No, and we've got to be. <sighs> I think, you know, as much as Ogbetter started absolutely fantastic, it's unlikely that form was going to stay at the top, top, top level with League One standard no, he's no. been playing at the whole way through. He's young, he's going to make mistakes, there's going to be things that other teams start to pick up about the way he plays and people will, will yeah. learn more about him. So, you know, we're going to we're going to see maybe a little drop-off, but, you know, clearly clearly still quality there to, to be our regular starter. But, yeah, a, a bit of an unfortunate one in that goal. And um, it had to be Greg, didn't it, in the middle, just waiting to poke it home, Ollie. Yeah, it did. It made you feel a little bit nervous at that point. No, um, yeah, a bit. <laughs> yeah, I did feel a bit nervous at that point um, because, yeah, you know, it's even though common sense says to you, yeah, you know, you've got a good, decent lead here. Just the way that they dominate possession and they know that their form is good, and this is Shrewsbury Town. You you do worry a little. I was worried a little bit anyway. Yeah, I, I suppose you would be worried like that. And obviously there was another chance right at the end by Jerome, wasn't he? That sort of just turned and hit it straight at Sarkic. Lucky he never put it either side. But even, even if they'd scored, then I didn't feel feel like we'd stopped scoring our goals. We, we still plenty of space to exploit, and and we could have pushed on again if we needed another one, which I think we did as the second half went on. So there was there was definitely more goals in it for us. And as I say going in at half time three one up was was more than more than happy with that, Ollie. Yeah, proper chuffs. It was really good. <laughs> I was really worried come to this game as well. I mean, there's a couple of fan bases which are quite chippy on on social media. I'd say Bristol Rovers normally quite chip, quite chippy, um, but MK Dons. I don't know why. I see sound of a lot of them in my timeline. There's this one really crazy guy who's really weird. He keeps like, tweeting me all the time, which is really strange. Um, <laughs> and tweet and you saw how Ebanks is absolutely rubbish. Hmm, um, no. And then I shared some data of Ebanks, and he said I was I was living he was living in my head rent free. I don't think he quite understands what that concept <laughs> is. Uh, but yeah, I was really really not looking forward. If we'd lost, it would have been terrible. I'd have had to definitely put my phone away. Block. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I should just block him. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. So um, yeah, game started. Um, second half kicked off again. 
Um, and yeah, I thought um, it didn't take us too long. Well, actually, I don't know. It actually, took long. It was fifty-seven minutes, wasn't it? Um, but a lot, a lot happened between then and then and the goal. I thought. No, I, I look back at my Twitter account, and it was basically all oh, that ten minutes has gone through with no no events of note at either end of the mm-hmm. pitch, and I'm happy with that. A three-one up, so it was yeah. it was nothing there. A lot of the ball we sort of defended as well as we needed to at times. A couple of half yeah. counters, which Wally got a couple of passes wrong on, didn't he? Um, although there was one amazing pass he played to Chapman um, that picked picked him out on the counter, but didn't didn't yeah. quite quite get a didn't quite get the shot off as he wanted but um yeah that was it really that 10 minutes passed by and then all of a sudden we're four one up and i'd run upstairs because obviously these early kickoffs do kind of impinge on us with children that are still at sort sort of school or, or young age and you've got to get them to bed between seven and eight and uh yeah i popped up to say goodnight to the kids two minutes thinking oh i won't miss anything here came back downstairs and there you go sean goss is running off on the side of the pitch celebrating i was like oh, god damn it i missed the goal but um yeah go on run us through this one that kind of killed the game off yeah yeah this is really really good defending from shrewsbury um good shape um yeah, something that Bristol Rovers will show us on Saturday mm. on how to have really good shape defence. And so basically MK Dons really struggle to kind of penetrate us. So they push it back along the back line, back to the goalkeeper. Um, and then basically they just absolutely mess it up. Um, they basically basically pass, really terrible pass. And we press them, we win the ball. And Vela drives forward into the box. Um, he does a really nice um, cross across the box, really similar to Edwards. Um, to Goss who makes it 4-1 and yeah I bet you couldn't believe his his luck um, to score two goals in one game when he got the when he came downstairs when I came downstairs I saw he scored two as the game went on I kept thinking the keeper kept coming miles off his line didn't he I was thinking Sean Goss is going to complete his first hat trick for the club <laughs> with a forty five yard lob over the goalkeeper or something because like yeah. that yeah unfortunately didn't didn't quite happen like that but yeah fantastic for him to get another one and really feel like he's a big part of this revival um, and and a decent finish took a touch and just played it nicely into the back of the goal and yeah came downstairs at four one you know that's it game over um, and it was a case then of sort of starting to make the subs keep people fresh and. Um, the game kind of went on. There was a few bits and bobs that went on, is it? But um, yeah, there was there was no chance MK Dons were coming back from four one, was there? Yeah, there was. Yeah, it was unlikely they were going to come back and get a draw at this point. Um, we, as you say, we sat back in a bit of a, a lower block, brought a few players on, um, brought Pike on sixty eight minutes. While obviously it was good for him to get some extra minutes, we didn't. He didn't really give him any chance to kind of shine. Did where he was doing a bit of a workman's workman's like kind of task shuffling along and he changed position a few times yeah he didn't um, play up as, as the main man like Mike Main was did he he was no. sort of on the right and then when Ado came on later on Ado played through the middle and, and Pike was yeah. still one of the, on the I couldn't get my head around that one really yeah yeah it was just I guess he was just shuffling her along mm. um, but yeah and then Greg went off which was quite funny yeah um, <laughs> funny really it was though. the best bit of the match seeing him go off and we're 4-1 up thinking hey, you turned us down mate uh, you know I hope you hope you don't go on to regret that son but um, yeah as, as we talked about last week Brian might have been throwing Roland's bottles of red wine um, at Greg as he came off the pitch having completed his hat trick I suspect Brian was knocking back the red wines at 4-1 up so yeah a well deserved a well deserved bit of uh, drinking for, for the chairman and uh, <laughs> Brian after uh, yeah, seeing off Grig after what he did to the club. So yeah, that was good to see. I was happy with that. Yeah, I was. Um, I did actually message Brian and said, um, and, he, and he, I said, "Oh, Grig has gone off," and he said, "Who?" <laughs> yeah, there we go. Good stuff. And um, yeah, as I say, interesting one on Maine coming off, which was a bit later on. I thought after Maine came off in that last sort of twenty minutes, we, we weren't as good to be honest with you. And and it do, it did kind of show to me, you know, uh, how important he was in that tactic we're playing at the moment because neither Rado and, and Pike played there for a little bit but when Rado was through the middle we just we didn't look the same did we and, but um, do you think we just I don't think we tried at all though Glenn maybe maybe I don't think we tried to score at all so yes I don't know if it's a coincidence or it is a direct correlation with him coming off do you know what I mean 
Mm, I, I'd say I think four one up on it when you got a game on Saturday and you got back to back to back games. True. I ju- I think Main for everything I was critical about signing him in the first place because of his old old form. He's he's clearly a cut above in that position yeah. um, when we're yeah, playing this yeah, tactic than anything else do. we've got at the club. So I, I do think there'll be a, and I think there will always be a drop off when he comes off um, and we're playing this tactic because we ha- I don't think Adoe or Pike can really do that role or, or are not no. experienced enough or quality enough at the moment and um, something that hopefully we address in the summer um, where the Main comes and. Stays for longer and we, we add something else to it I don't know but um, I'm a certain Maine will do a job for the rest of the season uh, adequately yeah. enough yeah yeah definitely there's definitely yeah he's definitely a step above the rest of the strikers we've got um, and then yeah um, yeah and then we, they unfortunately they got a bit of a consolation goal in the second half yeah uh, to make it look a bit better for them so basically Daniels unfortunately got done and then he gave away a foul um, NK Dons basically scored from a scramble in the box failed to clear um and yes, I'm, I'm sure the manager won't have liked that. He doesn't like that kind of conceding that kind of goal. Yeah, yeah. It's fatigue, fatigue minds towards the end of the game that you know is already over and just sloppy from the free kick to the to the moments in the box and a bit harsh on Sarkic to concede too because he was pretty good during the game again. But yeah, I mean, it was it was irrelevant. There was not long enough not long enough for them to to get back in. And I say we we ran the clock down after that pretty professionally. Ollie um, didn't really give him too many clear cut chances at the end. And actually, it was us that had the best chance right at the end. And unfortunately, we're coming back to something we talked about quite a lot Ollie which is um, a doe and golden opportunities to, to get a goal and, and him not taking them and um, yeah it was a, it was a pretty poor miss the last bit of moment of the game where kind of came across him didn't it and he was pretty much pretty central with a, with a good chance to, to at least test the keeper and just a, a messy horrible hoof over the bar which um, it's just not great is it and we've, we've had our say over the last few weeks about whether he's he long term going to make it but his chances are that he's got to start taking isn't it and it's just not happening consistently enough unfortunately no, yeah, exactly. There's not mm. much else to add to that. I think that's fair. No. Um, and there was one moment at the end of the game worth mentioning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nasty, horrible tackle on Dave Edwards right at the end. And, um, you know, if you watch it back, it's it's a horrible late tackle that deserves at least a book in. And Dave Edwards does well by kind of getting up straight away. If he stays down, it probably it could have been in a straight red. And it, I think it was, um, I think his name might have been Harrison. He had a terrible game for MK Dons and was really frustrated. Um, but Dave got straight up and so did they. And they, and they sort of headed, head-butted each other, sort of squared up to each other, which could have been a booking for each of them as well to be honest with you um so you know i think that guy was lucky not to get a red one for the challenge and one for one for the for stupidness after it was right at the end so he's probably lucky that it was a, it was a 4-2 game it was pretty much all over and um i say dave edwards didn't stay down trying to get him sent off but um yeah it was it was horrible i, I felt a bit for dave because he's got glass ankles hasn't he and you know unsurprisingly he didn't end up getting injured from this tackle which is nice to see Ollie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It was not not a good challenge. Um, not what you need to see. And it was so unnecessary as well. Yeah. And the game was over. It wasn't like um, either side was trying to. You know, we we were very comfortable, and there's no way they were going to get back in because this is an extra time. Yeah, yeah. I like the fact that Dave wasn't taking any shit though, and even after the final whistle, he was still sort of they were all ruminating, and I think the keeper ran over at one point and was not happy, and you know there was a few afters, wasn't there? But it just made it even sweeter, you know. We battered them on the pitch, and I'm sure we would have battered them after the final whistle that all kicked off as well. So there we go, MK Dons sent packing finally for the first time since 2007, and uh, yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised they were poor. I thought in general, and um, su- surprisingly, yeah. considering the run they're on, and um, I'm, I'm sure they'll do better in other games, and, and they'll get back on that form if, if that's what if that's what they've been doing. But um, yeah, again. Another team that are supposed to be good in this division that didn't look all that good. Again, it's that, that percentage thing, isn't it? If we have no possession, we uh, we do really well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good result. Um, and I thought, yeah, MK Dons definitely contributed to their own downfall. Yeah, that's it. I think that's, that could... <laughs> if we had a one-game week, that would have been the name for this podcast. But unfortunately, <laughs> it's not. So um, go on, run me through your top three, Ollie. Yeah, so I went for Goss. I thought he was brilliant. Vela was absolutely superb again. And Williams, I thought he had another really good performance. 
Yeah, really good. I couldn't disagree with Goss as man of the match. He was clearly the standout performer, regardless of whether he scored the two goals. His, his overall work rate and his um, his his sort of finding that space, which I've really really been enjoying watching these last few weeks, was was fantastic. So his overall game was brilliant. I, I went for Main second, uh, mainly because I picked up in the first half. There was a lot of times where if the ball went into him and he lost it, um, he chased back like almost to the edge of the penalty box, kind of trying to recover the situation. And um, I don't think we'd seen that in the first few games so much. But clearly, maybe he's, he's getting up to speed with what he can offer this team. I was really impressed with him across the whole game and even though he went off early and I say that our performance level went down after that I thought just kind of showed how important he is so I wanted to kind of recognise the hard work really and um, I picked Wally third he's been sort of hovering around my top three so the last few weeks but he, he was really good across the whole game and some some fantastic long range passing in the game and um, yeah just just thought he was really good but again Vela, Williams, Ebanks, Sarkic you know um, Love you know before he went off in that little cameo there, there was lots of players that played really really well in the game so um, yeah it's, it's another one where we're always quite different when we have good performances Ollie and <laughs> pretty similar when we're crap so it's 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 uh, good to see that we've got a bit of variety I suppose <laughs> yeah Sarsic has got no chance has he we keep I know this, harsh um, yeah of getting, getting any points but yeah what did the assistant manager say um, obviously he was he was very chipper uh, we said yeah it was a great team performance our our plan worked and um, the gaffer gave us the detail for the game and, and we worked hard to, to fulfill it and the the boys' work rate and discipline, decision making was everything we talk about was perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, we're going to see a different, a different kind of um, yeah, result um, and different application um, in our next game. And yeah, and basically they said that we're unhappy with the goals we conceded, and the manager touched on that post match. Um, we knew that MKN was going to try and dominate possession, um, and we can make you do a lot of running, which I think is key, key observation. I think here, yeah, we did do a lot of running in this game. Um, we knew we could create chance if we stuck to our game plan and we were disciplined and we backed each other up on the counter-attack, which is key. And I think that's one element, Glenn, where your main point is really strong because yeah. if if you know, if you got... I don't want to be too harsh on, on a doe, but if you got a main and you played the ball up to him, I think the players are more likely to follow it up and, and support because they think he's going to stick with him. A doe, I just don't think they're as convinced. Um, and those little things, as Mickey Mellon once said, fine margins can make a big difference. Yeah, I, I more as he plays, the more impressed I am with him. He's a, a bit of a different piece to what he was. Why do you want Grig? You know, well, Grig was, versus yeah. Grig. Like you know, one is they're totally different players, and that's the thing I don't really. Get. Maybe the manager has completely changed our tactic a bit, um, but I think that Maine is is much better suited to us. Playing this tactic for sure. Um, yeah, I just I, I still think. But that we're Grig... really good on the counter attack. Yeah, um, and you need a, you need a bit of a target man to do that. I think unless you play just over the top. But, well, um, but, yeah. Grig must be able to do what we wanted him to do because we've tried to buy him twice and Steve Cottrell did obviously want him so let's not yeah. pretend that he wouldn't have fitted into some system we were going to play maybe if we'd signed Grig maybe, it would have been a slightly different system yeah or maybe yeah. we wanted both of them you could yeah. see Grig playing with Maine so sure. maybe that would be in the plan actually so yeah I never thought about that bit well, yeah, Maine could just do all the hard work and Grig could just tap them all in and that would have been ideal, wouldn't it, I suppose? But um, yeah. we'll never know until the next transfer window comes around and we'll probably try and buy him again. I don't again. think we'll be trying to sign him again. <laughs> no, I don't, I think. don't I think, think that one's gone now. I think it might be gone. More chance of uh, yeah, signing Ronaldo, I'd imagine. But um, there we go. So that was it. Tuesday night, let's say, we were we were up out of 17th place, Ollie, which was a lovely change of, of scenery. Obviously, we've ended up back down there <laughs> following Saturday, but that was the good part of the week, Ollie. I think we shall now move on to um, slightly more dispiriting <laughs> signs at Bristol. Lynch looking for Clark. It's it back off him. Low ball in towards Steven. Steven turns the defender and scores! What a cracking turn from Ian Steven! So, Bristol Rovers 2, Shooter Town 1. Um, 
Worth just noting, actually, Bristol Rovers have a really good pitch, which makes a nice change. So that that was nice to see. Um, Shrewsbury's pitch looked amazing, didn't it, on Tuesday night? Yeah, you sent me a picture of Peterborough's pitch, which I was staggered yeah. uh, to see. Apparently, they had a water leak, but it, it literally looked yeah. like a ploughed field. It's unbelievably bad. Yeah, it's just mud, and there's a lot of mad <laughs> bad pitches across across the, the leagues. So I was listening to the D3D4 podcast, doing a bit of card, and then this morning, and yeah, we're very blessed. So yeah, it's good to see Bristol Rovers have a pitch as well. We haven't fur- they haven't furloughed the mower either, um, so it was good to see. Um, yeah, goals. Um, yeah, goals came um, from Leahy after forty-five minutes. Then came from Hanlon of sixty minutes, um, and then obviously Odo got a consolation goal for us in extra time. Mm. Um, and yeah, what were the stats, Glenn? Um, well, obviously we went into this game unbeaten in the last four, um, so we were going in with form. They obviously weren't. Um, yeah, and we. It's interesting. We were going to talk about how anemic we were in terms of our attacking performance, but we only had three shots in the whole game, and literally those three shots came in what the last three minutes of the game and injury yeah. time. So we could easily have gone zero shots in a game, which would have been a record. We've not done that for for many years. Um, but yeah, it's you only actually have to go back to Doncaster the last time we only had three shots in a game um, last season, um, and actually we we only had three shots in a game. Um, three times last season um, under Ricketts so it was happening quite regularly under Ricketts um, but in all the seasons before that it hadn't happened that that would have been the lowest number for a long time three shots in a game you know normally we've been up at the four five six seven eight nine sort of shots in a game so it, it is an unusually low number and it, we could easily have got the zero it, it almost happened um, and we used to talk under Ricketts about having no shots on target a whole game being bad to go a whole game without a shot at all would have been, <laughs> would well, have been unbelievable against Wimbledon wasn't it we didn't have we didn't have one shot on target Target wasn't no. it against Wimbledon. Yeah, correct. Yes, because yeah, because yeah. um, yeah, um, Clark scored an extra time. Yeah, so we've done that a few times. No shots on target in games, but to go a whole game without any shots at all would have been remarkable, to be honest with you. But um, there we go. And you also put in here Barton unbeaten. I'm assuming that's because every time we faced him as a manager, um, we've not we've not won yet, have we? Yeah, no, I don't oh, think we have. I think, we've, I think we think he's won most of the time, and we've drawn a couple. But yeah, he's got a good record against us. <laughs> he's and he's done that against three different town managers, only Askey, Ricketts, yeah. and uh, Cottrell now. So, um, well, I suppose we're not we won't count Cottrell. We'll see what happens the first time there in the dugout face to face. But yeah, we're yeah. starting to get a bit annoyed with Joey Barton. I'd like to put him in his place. He's one a good day. manager. He's an absolute yeah. pillock, but um, we've said this he's before, a we? very good football manager. Yeah, we said this before, particularly after that Fleetwood win over um, Askey, where he clearly showed he was tactically superior. And I think there was a game where they beat us under Ricketts and we, we called out that it was his tactical sort of approach to the game that worked. And let's be honest about it, we can sum this game up now, but he did pretty well in terms of the way they set themselves up to, to beat us on uh, Saturday as well. So, annoying. Interesting question for you, Glenn. So yes. on that point, I don't want to take anything, anything away from Bristol Rovers. Their mm-hmm. players worked really hard. They deserved the win. Um, no, no complaints. Oh, none. But how much did we contribute to that defeat? Uh, a lot. Um, we clearly weren't at the races, were we? We were absolutely no. levels below where we were in, in the last few weeks, and, and particularly on the Tuesday night game. It's, it's you know, let's well, have the discussion up front. What, what is the main underwinding reason why we put that performance in on Saturday? You know, is it fatigue? Is it just because we've been playing the same pretty much unchanged team for weeks and it's just starting to take a toll? Was it just our nature of having a bit of a mental block against the poorer teams of the division because that has been going on all year and it's it's not something we can shake? Or or is there something else to it? You know, a combination of things that we just run up against Bristol Road was on, on a good performance and our levels were, were poor but it, it wasn't just because we lost 2-1 that you can be critical about this the, the level of performance um, the lack of attacking intent the, the the sort of slowness on the ball the passing Ollie there was still a lot of things that were off and I don't know. I don't know what shook them, but something it's clearly something shook them a little bit between the two games this week, and they just they just weren't quite the same players, were they? No, it was really really odd. Very um, odd. Really odd. We were 
off the pace in every single aspect of the game. Yeah. We were slow, we were sluggish, we were slow of thought as well as slow physically. Mm. Um, our passing was dreadful. Chapman in the second half, when I looked at his stats, he had a pass completion of 35%. And remember I was given uh, Miller abuse for getting 50%. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that just puts that into context. And it's interesting, actually. I had a message from, um, like, I have all, like, lots of different people I chat to through doing the podcast. And, you know, there's all these, a lot of analytical accounts online. And there's a guy called Greg, who's an Evertonian, and he watches a lot of games. And he actually watched our game. Um, and I Poor said, we were, I, thought we were ut- I thought we were utterly awful in every department. And you see, he totally agreed with that. But he did say that Rovers played some nice stuff. Um, and then he went on to say that we um, that we really lacked ideas in possession. And that's, that's our, again, we keep talking about this. Um, I think this might be a theme for the rest of the season. And this is probably the downfall for Ricketts as well. Ricketts wanted to play possession football, but we can't score goals playing possession football. It just does not work for us. We don't have the players and we certainly haven't been trained to do it. Um, so I thought it was quite interesting just as someone else had that view as well, as someone who's neutral. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a view that I think we've we've gathered over these last few years now in terms of, of this football club and it's it's problem scoring goals when we when we maybe should be expected to, to knock teams off. Um, but uh, it just doesn't seem to happen, does it? It's, it's, it's continually pulling us back. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the whole performance was very much um, un-Cottrell and Wilbraham era-like. You know, it's the first time we've really played like this. And um, we'll come to the reaction at the end of the game, Ollie, and my thoughts on it. But yeah, just just a, just a worry. And yeah, I suppose, the, you know, we talked at the start of the game saying, at the start of the last game saying, you know, unnate change team. We don't really need to talk about it. But yeah, there was obviously a, a need to change the team because of Love's injury wasn't there. But um, yeah, maybe a little bit surprising to see what we did. Yeah, I was surprised about this. So um, Rochelle Williams stayed at left centre-back and Pennington went to right-back. And I just thought maybe I can understand it, you know, keep the two central defenders together. But I, I don't know, I just thought that we would have played. I just made an assumption and tweeted the team out saying um, Williams to right-back. Um, I guess that's what you thought as well. More expected uh, yeah, to or, or play Josh Daniels, to be honest. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. Well, yeah, I, but when I you can't... saw the team sheet, you thought oh, yes, that Williams he... would play there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Josh Daniels wasn't even in the squad, was he? I don't think. No. Yeah, which is really weird. So. No, no, he wasn't. Um, so, yeah, Pennington was diabolically bad at right back, and there's no doubt about it that he's a centre back and not a right back. So he was doing us a favour. But Williams has done that job and covered for us and done well. So it just made sense, really, to try something that we knew would work and, and stick Pennington in there as centre back in the, in the performances he played for us at centre back. He'd been good, hadn't he? So maybe that looked back at that as a bit of a, a bit of a, an error in terms of, of what happened in the game because Pennington gave us nothing when we tried to go forward he was he's just very very slow and, and cumbersome as a, as a defender wasn't he and he hasn't sat played back. for a long time no, to give him no, some no. defense but but everything you're saying is fair he, he was very um, very sloppy but everyone was and um, yeah so I thought they looked hung over to be to kind of put some kind of <laughs> description on it we looked like a Sunday um, Sunday team that had a massive bender the night before because we just looked, all looked slow, didn't we? We looked really sluggish, and passes like, like even simple passes from a fullback to a, to a winger, weren't happening. They were going to a man, and it was just very. It, was, it just didn't feel right, did it, Glenn? As soon as the game started. It just you thought, whoa, what's going on here? This this doesn't this doesn't oh, feel normal. It was a very poor watch as a as a spectacle, and to be fair, from to, a Shrewsbury perspective, from a, yeah, and also from an entertainment perspective as a Shrewsbury Town fan who didn't have radio shops on because we've got no away commentary, we had to listen uh, to the the Bristol commentary as well. And to be fair, you know, from listening to it, it was the the guys from Gascast who are who are Bristol Rovers podcast like we are, but obviously they've got a gig as well sometimes to cover um, the commentary of their football club, and obviously 
something from a podcast that's based on one football club, they were fairly, fairly, fairly um, biased towards Bristol Rovers, which is fair enough. You know, I'd probably do the same thing if they ever asked us to do the commentary, Ollie. So, um, but from listening to them, I don't think I'd ever want to do a live commentary. It sounds nearly impossible to kind of keep that flow going, and it can be quite robotic and and slow. And they, they did their best, but for, for an away fan listening to that, it's not. It wasn't great, was it? It wasn't like listening to some of the BBC commentators who kind of were more um, impartial and kind yeah, of. I actually enjoyed it. Actually, like, as yeah. much as I love Stu Dunn and Mark Kelly, I actually quite enjoyed hearing different voices I've, and yeah. having yeah. different um, perspective. And someone did a tweet. I'm really sorry, I can't remember who tweeted this, but someone said that the Accrington Stanley player was less biased than the Bristol Rovers fans, which I thought was quite funny. Um, but yeah, I had to turn it off. Like it's, it's, it's. I had to list. I had to mute it. I found it too frustrating. Yeah, um, that's true. True, and it just shows. But yeah, you're right, Glenn. We haven't discussed this um, until now, so we haven't just we haven't pre-prepared this conversation. Uh, but it just for me reminded me that I wouldn't want to do a live commentary. <laughs> doing it for Shrewsbury fans would be one thing. Yeah, knowing the opposition fans are doing listening, I just couldn't do that. I could maybe, I could maybe, I wouldn't mind have a fun go at doing the co-coms because you can just sit there and watch the game for a few yeah, minutes and true. think of something clever to say. Um, and then you can do the Mark Elliott role and look and go and try and just think of something, you know, are they, you know, the right back's doing this or we're playing this formation. So they kept getting our formation wrong as well. They didn't seem to notice that Goss was playing as a number 10, um, which is a bit odd. And the pronunciations. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we could be great. quite critical of them, but at the same time, it's, it's interesting that you thought that as well, that, yeah, we would never want to do it because, yeah, it would just be huge gaps <laughs> and we wouldn't remember. And just even just shows you that how, what a good done, God, uh, just shows you what a good job Dunny does because he always knows the opposition players. That on its own is a really hard, a really hard task to, mm. to master. That is his job, I suppose. And if I, if we ever got asked to do it and you were doing it with Shrewsbury fans, I'm sure the Shrewsbury fans probably wouldn't mind it too much because you would just be you know, a fan doing a commentary of a game and that might be listenable. As I say, listening to two um, guys who do a podcast with Bristol Rose doing was, was pretty difficult to listen to and I kind of I kind of stuck with it. But um, I, I, yeah, I don't think if, if we ever got asked to do it, there's no chance I could go through 90 minutes without swearing. So um, I'd probably no, be the first you'd one. You'd also do, I'm going to be a little bit hard, bit critical now. Like, you can look on Y Scout in thirty seconds and see what formations we play. Mm. Yeah, so true. I, that bit there I was a bit poor, I thought. But anyway, oh, there um, we go. We're talking of poor, Shrewsbury Town were pretty abject. We were worse um, than their commentary, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I thought Rovers um, played some good stuff. Um, played the ball out the back. Um, did like a, a cross stroke through ball type ball behind us, um, where they set up their striker, and he had. A, I can't believe he, this is this is worse than a doze miss. Basically, he was next to the penalty spot, straight in front of um, Sarsovic, and yeah, he absolutely wasted the opportunity. Yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't great, was it? To be fair, and and, and the whole thing just was slow and. I'm just trying to put my head around it, really, because that first half was sort of one of those halves that just skipped past with nothing to really kind of stand out of it. And um, yeah, there, there was there was plenty of sort of um, uh, chances that we could have kind of done better with going forward, Ollie. But it was just, I think that my I'm trying to kind of get my head around this now, thinking about this first half in, in, in a real chance. My main frustration in the first half was the decision making on passing. I think if I had to sum up one thing, yeah. it'd be that because that's what undid us going forward and backwards. You know, we played ourselves into trouble in our own half way too much. You know, and gave them the ball back too easy. And when we got into their half, our decision-making going forward on passing was absolutely diabolical. And for me, if I had to sum up the first half, my main concern with it, Ollie, was, as I say, decision-making for passing. Um, yeah, There we go. That was just me putting it together in my brain as we go into the podcast. <laughs> That's how it works, poor. guys. <laughs> and it's really funny because um, when someone was on BBC Shropshire on The Verdict later on, they were talking about tactics and stuff and being a bit of an aftertimer, if I'm honest. 
Um, but it doesn't matter what formation you play. It doesn't matter what tactics you play. It doesn't If you can't pass to a man, no. you've got no chance. No. And that's why we were so poor in possession because our passing was just... Passing and decision-making was really off. So, you know, you could criticise the manager if you want, but the player's got to do some basics, otherwise you've got no chance. Yeah, you put all the stats. We, our passing accuracy was 62%, which is rubbish. Theirs was and that, But that's, yeah. and that that's looks better because we played the ball along the back line a bit. And they weren't pressing us when we were doing that. Yeah. Um, so it makes it even better than it really was. Um, but, our, but our long balls were like, yeah, 30%, 39% accurate. Oof, 50. Um, so Awful. yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, it wasn't good at all. Um, you've you've yeah. written here, Salah's first real attack, ball to Wally, it was into oh, the box. Clear. I can't even remember that, Ollie. <laughs> yes, yeah, I remember. So basically, we, yeah, we tacked, ball went into Wally, he was kind of a bit slow. Defender cleared it, it comes to Pennington on the right side. He crossed it, and it's where um, Chapman tried to keep the ball in, and he kind of ran off the oh, pitch. Oh, I do remember that now. Yeah, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Those, I tell you what, they've, I don't know what it is, but there's about a million ball boys around the ground. They seem to be, um, maybe because they've got so many little stands, and they've got yeah. like 20 stands around their ground. Maybe it's hard to get the ball back, I'm not sure, but it seems to be a lot of people in there. Someone described Bristol Rose ground as a collection of bits of grounds other grounds didn't, stands other grounds didn't want, and <laughs> and uh, something you would use for a conference venue, which <laughs> so I thought was quite is, a, a good it description. It is a weird ground, isn't it? It's very <laughs> it weird. Odd. Although I'd love to have been on that terrace again on Saturday, but oh, yeah. it wasn't to be. There we go. Um Basically, it was only a matter of time they were going to score. I mean, Bristol Rose weren't great, and you know, they they were good in their shape, and they pushed us at the right times, and they played a little bit more attacking football and, and entertaining football than us. But it was two poor teams, I thought, Ollie, if I'm honest with you. But yeah, it was going to come eventually, wasn't it? The goal, and um, yeah, it was bloody Rodman involved, wasn't it? Yeah, overall, Bristol Rovers, Bristol Rovers clearly are not an amazing side, not an amazing League One side. But I thought they performed well. But again, I think we were we boosted their performance levels because we were just so crap. But yeah, this was a really good goal. Interesting, Rodman, Rodman was much higher than their um, left wing back. So I don't know if that was a, a target to try and target Ogbetta. I'm not sure. But yeah, um, basically, a lot of intricate passing football from Rovers. Um, Ross, Rodman insists... And um, Leahy, the the, the opposite um, wing back, came flying in. No one tracked him at all, uh, and that was pretty poor. Um, and that was it, wasn't it? Half time, one yeah, nil down. Yeah, great stat for us. So you obviously no shots on goal, no shots at all. So obviously zero xg. <laughs> Brilliant zero xg in half time. Didn't didn't get much better, did it? To be fair, uh, one word on Rodman because um, he played really well, didn't he? He had a good cross into the second half straight away, didn't he? Which um, created a chance at goal which Sarkic saved he did pretty well with that but um, yeah I thought Rodman was like as good as kind of some of those seasons well the season he played under Hurst you know the one when we got to the, to the playoff final he was really fantastic and still still obviously an asset at this stage and it's funny because he's had a bit of a weird career at Bristol hasn't he whereas he got in initially and fell out of favour and now Barton's in and maybe it'll turn around for him now but if he was you know putting in a performance to impress his new manager he, he certainly looks like he's probably going to be playing for them most weeks again Would you like him to be our right wing back? <sighs> I mean, I'd have him. Yeah, he I'd was have him solid, this wasn't season. he? Yeah. I'd have him for this season. He'd definitely do a job. Obviously, a bit of an attacking wing back, but he always did a good shift for us. And yeah, it'd be interesting. I didn't check his defensive stats, but maybe something to look at. But yeah, he, he played really well. But as we said, this game was just completely dominated by defensive errors. Um, and this was another one. I, I don't know. I'll be interested to get your thoughts on how how much kind of a better kind of let Vela down a bit here. But mm. um, so what happened? So a better kind of goes forward, plays the ball into Vela, where he's surrounded by two men. So maybe it wasn't the best decision. Um, basically, they win the ball, they counter, and they push the ball over to the right. Hanlon's allowed to move in the box. This is where I don't really like Williams playing the left centre back. It's just not natural. 
Um, he has to kind of position his body in a bit of a weird way and he doesn't try and tackle or put any pressure on the striker. He gets into the box, he shoots and it's um, yeah 2-0 down and I'd say Ogbeta, Vela and Williams I think have to have a bit of a share of blame. Obviously people point to Vela because it's the obvious one but I don't think Ogbeta and Williams really did themselves any glory in, in this, this, this bit of football. No, I agree with you. I wouldn't want to single out one of them to have done the worst thing in in the goal. It was just very sloppy, very poor. You know, it came at a really terrible time in the game, didn't it? Sixty minutes in, just kind of getting into that last half an hour to go two 0 down, sort of took any anything out of us really that we could have got back into it. And yeah, he's a bit unfortunate fella, but he was surrounded by players. But yeah, I'll better say he's not had a good week, has he? He's been involved in a couple of couple of goals that weren't great to see. And as I say, I, I'm happy to to ride it out with He'll him. He'll learn from it. Though, yeah, he? he'll be a better player for it in the long term. E- exactly. And um, yeah, it just you know, I I, I felt. When and that went in Ollie. 2-0 game over you know we have we creating absolutely nothing it didn't seem like we were going to come back and score 2 or 3 um, so yeah I, I felt a bit crestfallen there really that was going to have to watch half an hour of Up and Puff and, and it wasn't even really that was it to be honest with you I don't think we really came out and got at them after they went 2-0 up we didn't really throw caution to the wind we still just were very ponderous well, yeah, it says a lot when um, I think you messaged me on private message saying, hope you were watching that second half because <laughs> I wasn't and I wasn't really watching it that much either. It was, no. yeah, it was really poor. Um, we took Chapman off after 67 minutes. He had a poor game. Um, and then I thought the subs were a bit strange. And well, I'll ask you what your opinion, what your, you thought about this. So we brought um, Goss off after 74 minutes for Edwards. Um, Vela came off at 87 minutes and Main came off at 87 minutes. What did you make of the tactical substitutions and the timing of them? Uh, I felt they were too late, really. You know, we could we could have made changes after sixty minutes when we went two 0 down. Why not just make a big raft of changes and completely try and just completely change the flow of the game? I felt like you know changing Chapman for a doe on sixty seven was fairly obvious because Chapman was stank the place out, didn't he? It just looks like it was a game too many for him, so that was fine. But leaving the other ones until the last fifteen minutes didn't really give anyone too much time to go on with it. Why do you think then? Why do you think we only brought Edwards, Davis, and Pycon so late? Because well, Edwards, Edwards wasn't as late, but but why was Edwards? Why was Davis not an earlier and Pike not an earlier? I, I agree. Uh, you could have argued to start Davis or at least bring him on at half time um, and sort of give him a good go. Because when's he actually going to play much football? He only gets like three well, minutes think, at the end. I think that's the challenge now. And this is where of me, um, people can be quite after timing. You know, oh, we should have played yep. three at the back and we should have changed the team. I saw no one criticise the team. No, selection. Um, I agree. I'm not saying you're suggesting that, but um, yeah, it raises it does raise the questions. I'd have made an argument for changing him at half time because, you know, Norburn and Vela had done absolutely nothing in the game and, you know, if there were fitness issues that were behind this performance, then why not give Davis forty five minutes, but maybe yeah. he's not fit enough to do that. Edwards isn't fit enough to play too long, is he? So, you know, I can understand why he's only getting a little bit of time at the end. There's not that much other quality on the bench, Ollie, if we're honest That's about my it. Point, Glenn. Yeah. When you got that was exactly what oh, I was go. thinking. <laughs> there I isn't there, is there? Yeah, I think only out of those players, I don't only think I only I'd hope that Davis, obviously, as 29, 30 year old player who's from the championship, um, he's the only player of probably, I'd say, is probably quality on the bench. Yeah. I think our squad is unbalanced. Obviously, clearly, we've got no right and wing backs. Um, we've obviously got, you know, we've got a couple of cent, we've got, you know, we've not that got clever in central defence. Our strikers are not great. We've got a, quite a poor squad, really, and we don't have a lot of depth. And for me, I think it just was maybe one. I think the players kind of earned the right to carry on playing, but at the same time, I just don't think the options there on the bench to you know you can say make a sub, but could you, looking at the bench, were you did you think that someone could turn the game in our favour? 
No, Edwards has been best recently coming on when we're we're sort of wanting to see a game out, hasn't he? Um, same with Davis. So we've not really seen them in a in a role which is kind of trying to bomb forward. I thought, to be honest with you, of all the players who came, you know, came on and actually overall performances, Edwards's 15 minutes cameo was actually half decent. He was solid, yeah, wonderful, and was involved in a goal a bit later on. And I thought he was probably the only one that came out of the game with any credit whatsoever, which yeah. is which is interesting. And Davis is obviously quality, but how much quality is there? We haven't really seen much of him still yet. So, no. um, you know, is this the sort of result and performance? that's going to make them think about giving Davis a crack instead of Vela or, or Norburn are we going to see you know Odo start instead of Chapman I can't see it I think I think the Davis Vela or Norburn quandary is the only real problem we've got Ollie. no yeah. one else is really screaming out to start a game no exactly it'd be interesting who starts against AFC Wimbledon um, but I guess one, one thing I want to point out was there was a bit of attack I think it was in the second half um, where we finally played a few passes together Wally was running forward one of the best dribblers obviously the best dribbler in our squad and probably one of the best dribblers in the league, and he overhits him, just goes straight to defender, and for me that oh, just kind yeah. of summed up our, 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 our performance. Very poor. And so the game was cruising to a 2-0 loss with no shots on target, and then we scored a goal out of nothing, and for the last five minutes, Bristol Rovers tried the best to absolutely shit the bed and throw the game <laughs> yeah, away, which was, fu- which was pretty if hilarious. We, if we'd have got a point, it would have been absolutely <laughs> fucking hilarious. And the Bristol Rovers fans, who are quite vocal, would have gone absolutely potty. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the goal was pretty, pretty. It was, it was all right, was not bad nicely bit worked, but yeah, it was yeah. sort of out of nothing, wasn't it? I suppose. Yeah, Ebanks does a nice long ball over to Pike. Good header, fair to him. He's a really good header, I thought. Down to Edwards, really class bit of play. Um, and then Doe pokes it home. Um, yeah, good, good that he took that chance. It was hard not. I think you would have couldn't miss that, that one. Way, to be yeah. honest, that's um, what all my goals to supporters were like. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then we were so close again. So yeah, Pike again has a header across the box. Pennington not the fastest. Basically, kind of gets into the near the near the ball near the box. Sorry, near the penalty. Yeah. Pennington nearly gets to the ball right near the post, and the goalkeeper throws himself down at Pennington's feet. Very brave, and he went off. Um, and then, yeah, then, then we had to change the goalkeeper, and then corner comes in, recycled. Wally does his man best bit of play he did all game. Crossed into the box, and it comes to Edwards. And what happens? He heads it straight at the bloody keeper. Anywhere else, that keeper never saves that. He's just come no. off. He's completely unprepared. And to be fair to the keeper, the brist- the final whistle went as soon as he saved it, didn't it? And the players yeah. all surrounded him like he was the massive hero. He won the World Cup. Oh, it was funny. It's, it is crazy to think how close we came to stealing a point from a game we were diabolical in. But yeah. that's football for you, isn't it? Another game by one goal margin. And um, yeah, League One, there we go. It's just... I don't know. Very, very odd, very odd uh, Saturday for for Shrewsbury Town, considering where we've been recently. And yeah, whether it's a pattern or the start of a downward trend, who knows? I'm not. I'm hoping not, Ollie. But you know, to be to be confirmed as we go on, I suppose. Yeah, but were you surprised, Glenn, when you saw the stats that we had sixty percent possession in the second half? It didn't yeah. feel like it to me. It did because the game, from what I did watch of it, Ollie, in the second half, was just <laughs> us passing it around, doing nothing, and then yeah. occasionally just doing a bad pass out of play or giving it to them, and then they kind of counter on us every now and again. It'd go out for a goal kick. It, that was what the pattern of the game was like. It was utterly atrocious to watch, if you ask me. Yeah. So second half just went past. It was just a nothing event, really. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was a good performance for Bristol Rovers, considering where they are as well in a rele- relegation zone. I'm pretty. I think that that victory, you know, lifts them out of the relegation zone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you, would you say Bristol Rovers are going to be safe? Joe Barton yeah. in charge. I put put pretty good odds on Barton being able to do the job there and turn them around. There's a yeah. fair few teams at the bottom of the league who are having an absolute nightmare of, of the moment, yeah. aren't they? So they're not. They're not going to get. Uh, they'll probably still be dragged into it and be involved in a relegation I know. battle. I wouldn't but, be surprised yeah. if they went on a good run. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he'll do well, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he's there next summer. He 
he'll either he'll I think he, you know I don't think performance wise he'll mess up, but he'll either be in prison um, for going to court <laughs> or be the Bristol Rovers manager. Um, wow. Which I listened to I actually listened to the Gas Cast in the week, and their fans are quite split on him on quite right. split on Barton. I um, imagine they would be. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously you know when you're in the, that position, and you want to survive. You kind of take a, a big leap of faith to him, but that's their third manager of the season, which is obviously not not, not good. Well, during a COVID crisis with no money coming in, that's fairly uh, fairly concerning for them, I'd imagine, in the finances department. Would you yeah, not think? it can't be good. And also, they yeah, they <laughs> also obviously they got Andy Mangan there as well, so they have got they have backed him. But I will say, actually, we're critical of the, the Gas Cast commentary. They do a very, very good podcast. To be fair. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, and, and as I say, critical as a Shrewsbury Town fan. Not you know, if I was a Bristol Rovers fan, I wouldn't be too critical of them at all. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, we're neutral and we wouldn't normally listen to their content. So, uh, they tried. You know, they did. They did describe Goss as gauze for the whole game, um, like a piece of gauze that you would have if you'd mm. cut your arm. So, I saw a few people getting a bit wound up their pronunciations, but I couldn't pronounce half their players' names either. So, who am I to no. be critical, Ollie? So, exactly. There we go. I suspect they'll they'll stay up. Um, yeah, we've got a few uh, questions, haven't we? Because you've decided to cancel well we've, we've decided Ollie um, to cancel the top three for this game because yeah. reality there was no one that we could pick in top three you might give Edwards ten points but it would be very harshly yeah uh... I just think for, about, <laughs> for the integrity of our top three competition <laughs> um, I thought it was probably best to just have a moment's silence um, for the, the top three because yeah we, we've struggled before and for me it's just there's absolutely Edwards yeah um, Pike maybe but it just didn't seem fair to give no. you know um, Edwards ten points for that when you know in on Goss got ten points for Tuesday night, just doesn't seem right. No, I agree. I agree. So what you did is you asked for a couple of questions, didn't you? Ollie? Yeah, we didn't unfortunately. So yeah, Wayne Burris sent in a question. I think we've kind of answered it. You know, in oh, yeah. terms of was it our was it a poor performance from town? I think we've answered that. Yeah, um, true enough. And then yeah, I wanted to talk about tactics and personnel. Um, so we had a, a question um, from Pacific Paddy um Pacific Strew. And he said, Glenn, um, stick or twist for Wimbledon, what changes would you make, personnel, formation or both? I, I'd be, it's hard as a, as a fan to, to wonder what it was that underpinned that poor performance, Ollie, because if it's fitness and just the legs coming out us a little bit, I'd be inclined to make several changes. If it was just a very bad day at the office for X, Y, Z reason that we're not aware of in footballing terms, then I'd be consistent. I'd still want to stick with that fairly consistent team selection. I wouldn't play Pennington at right back. I'd either I'd either play Josh Daniels at right back, or I would put Williams out there and play Pennington in the middle. That's definitely what I'd do. I'd, I'd, unless unless there's something about the fitness of Vela and Norburn that made their performances poor, I wouldn't start da- uh, Davis. But everyone yet. was poor, wasn't it? It wasn't yeah. just every single man to a man was poor, and it wasn't just like there was a couple. It was everyone. So yeah, and you, when you think about change, if you look at the squad, who's not playing, and would they realistically be someone you'd want to see starting? Not Burgoyne, you know, Sarkic is is our, clearly our number one goalkeeper. Who's not playing at the moment? Goldborn for Ogbetter? No, I'm not bothered about that. I'd keep Ogbetter. Edwards is fine in the role he's doing at the moment, coming off the bench. Um, you've got Pike, which we've discussed. I don't think you'd start him over Maine. Um, you've got Leon Clark, who's obviously injured, so we can't really consider him at the moment. Sears is he injured at the moment? I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, I maybe. Think so. Yeah, so maybe there's a shout there as, as an option at right back rather than what we, we did on on this week. Brad Walker's not you know going to do anything at the moment, is he? And and he's behind. He's he's running again. Oh, he's still injured, isn't he? Yeah, yeah so he's running again. Even then, he's behind. He's clearly going to be behind Ed. Um, Davis in the pecking order now, isn't he? So he's down to like fourth or fifth choice. 
Barnett's out alone. Um, you know, there's not a lot else out there. Dan, Ado's probably a bench striker at the moment. Um, yeah, that's it. That's really the, the that's our benches essentially. It's just there's no quality there. None of those players are first team starters regularly, are they anymore? Maybe Goldborn if he was at his best form, but that seems to have deserted him pretty recently. So what we've got is what we've got, Ollie. You know, it's it's the occasional one or two little changes around, and I don't think we'll see much more than that, Ollie, in terms of the the personnel. Tactically, we might do something different, but the personnel's going to be fairly nailed on between now and the rest of the season, I think. Yeah, we've got very little to go with. So interestingly, um, Paddy says. He would if we play three at the back. Keep, um, so Paddy says if we play three at the back, keep Pennington. If we go for a four, he'd like to see Sears play, and he wonders if Wally needs to break. I would probably maybe maybe drop. Not that he's played badly, but just drop Norburn because he's played a lot of minutes. Yeah. So maybe him start him and Davis if we start with. I don't really mind either way. Yeah, probably like to see Sears play either right back or right wing back. If we play wing backs, maybe play Daniels. But if we play um, four at the back, I'd definitely like to see CS play as well, same as Paddy. I'd give Norburn a rest mm-hmm. and pay Davis. Dave, I think definitely Davis needs to start. And maybe play Main Anado, maybe drop Worley. Um, but then I think if I did drop Norburn, I'd bring him on after, on after 55 minutes or 45 minutes for Vela. Because Vela's played a lot of minutes as well. And it just comes back to your point, Glenn, and I can see why you went to look at the squad. It's not like we've got two players for every position, like a Premier League side. Um, quality does drop off dramatically outside the um, the first the first team, and that's why for me, definitely people who are on BBC Shropshire criticise information and personnel being after timers, like you know, you know, wise after the event. You know, I don't think you would have done much differently going into that game. No, it's it's nice to be you know the what would have happened if we'd done this kind of thing looking back. Yeah. But you know I, I wouldn't have you know these things People, are. Some guy was criticising the manager and saying he doesn't yeah. make tactical changes and he can't. Which is mad. He doesn't influence games, which is just bizarre beyond. I just that's just absolute mm. nonsense. Um, he, I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back to the stat, uh, stats on appearances in a second, just to talk to you about that. But it's just worth reflecting on town fans because there were a few people going a bit off the deep end about this one, and I, I'm happy. I'm happy enough to say on my my behalf as uh, someone that does a podcast that you know this was just a, you know one loss of of a, of a season of very ups and big downs and then ups. Uh, for a, for a manager that's still not at the football club, um, you know, for a team that were battling to stay up, who now look like they might do that comfortably, these things are going to happen. I'm I'm not like worried about the long term future of Steve Cottrell or Wilbraham as an assistant manager or all these players. You know, we're not writing anyone off after this. It was a very very disappointing performance, but there were some some people that seemed to lose their mind on Facebook, which maybe is because that's what f- happens on Facebook nowadays. Ollie, I don't know in general about absolutely everything, but um, yeah, I think some calm heads might have been <laughs> might have been needed on Sunday night because it was an awful performance. But you know, we're, we're there. To have an occasional one like that, aren't we? After the way we played, yeah, most definitely. I didn't. I don't go on Facebook. Um, for no, for the group. I don't. Even though um, I'm the admin, one of the admins <laughs> of it, um, I don't go on it. So I did find people's comments about fans. It felt almost like people were having a meltdown about fans having meltdowns. Um, and also, I do find it a little bit, a little bit frustrating that people who who are quiet during games sometimes act a little bit holier than now. Mm. By saying fans are uh, overreacting, and I think those—I don't know—I think if people are going to tweet live games and people read those tweets, I, I think it's a little bit insincere to kind of retweet them afterwards um, because clearly they're in the context of the game, and maybe that's something I need to think about when I live tweet. Glenn, maybe need to put something in the tweet to make it clear we're talking about that exact game because <laughs> I don't think anyone um, in their right mind will criticise the manager or think the wheels have fallen off because. No. The results we've had is just have been phenomenal. This yeah. is still still the best start for a Chief Town manager, even though we lost on Saturday. No one's ever started better after 
is it 16 games, 17 games? Now? I can't quite remember what number we're up to now, but it's still the best start ever. So, you know, it's just, there's the context for anyone that's feeling a bit down about Saturday. It's a crap game and a really yep. poor performance. Correct. And still think that the team and the manager and everyone is the best thing since sliced bread. It's 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 football and, and you will react as you see as you see it when you when you when you tweet it. And that's the trouble with Twitter sometimes. Obviously one tweet can be seen in in isolation. Um, you need to follow my approach of Twitter, Ollie, which is just don't give a fuck about anything you write about on Twitter <laughs> and, and it doesn't seem to doesn't seem to be a problem then. So there we go. <laughs> and that goes for spelling as well if anyone's interested. Um, <laughs> so. I did see that um, you you um you you uh, basically yeah, you did something for someone and then you realised that they just posed to about spell check in your work. Um, yeah, it's the third time yeah. I've spelled McMenamin wrong this season on Twitter. Um, so it's normally a good a good ten by the end of the season. So we'll see how it goes. I do tend to tweet Colin McMenamin quite a lot. He just seems to crop up in random stats. I find so maybe I should learn to spell his name, but I'm not going to just because that's the way I am. So there we go. Um, good old Twitter. Um, but yeah, there we go. I'll just we, I, we'll talk about that, and I wanted to go on to that point. But one thing I was going to ask you is who do you think has played the most games for town this season so far? Ooh, uh, maybe Ebanks or Williams, maybe? Correct, Williams. They, so he's played 31 games so far this season in all competitions. And, and I that's... didn't cheat either. I, I no, there, you go, yeah. there you go, and Vela, 29, and then, yeah, Ebanks, Northern. Vela, 29, you just don't think they that, didn't you? Because you think, oh, yeah, he, he came back into the team and did really well under Cottrell, but actually he wasn't. He was actually yep. playing under, under Ricketts. Yeah, he started twenty eight of those twenty nine as well. So it's the the players that are the ones that have had the most work are say Williams on thirty one, <clears throat> Vela on twenty nine, and then Ado, Pierre, and Norburn and Ebanks on twenty eight. So you know when you're looking at resting players, they're presumably going to be the ones at the top of the list. You know players like Wally because of his injuries, he's only played twenty three times this season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's, he's he's obviously not had quite as much work in there. So they're the ones that have been the. The, the sort of bedrock of the team this season and, and obviously our better players. So, yeah, just interesting. I just thought I'd let you know, really, because, you know, we talk about resting certain players, but some of, some of those are really are the ones that have played the most. So, there we go. It doesn't we seem like do a Steve Cottrell thing. We could do with a couple of players. I could do with Walker coming back because, obviously, he can play central defence or midfield. Yeah. Um, we could always play Vela in the 10. I'd still like to see that at some point. Um, but, yeah, it's um, again, it's, it's, it's quality outside of the, the main team, which is the big concern, um, which I guess takes us to... Looking, looking forward to next week. Yeah, so um, are you concerned, Ollie, about our record against the poor teams now, considering we've got to play a poor team coming up next? <laughs> Does that I was make worried you... <laughs> about it, and then when I actually looked at the stats and I saw the F, we have over 50% possession, we never win. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was was a bit concerned. It's mm. it's a huge... It's a, Obviously, so the next fixtures, so we've got um, AFC Wimbledon on Tuesday night, um, and then after that, we have... Fleetwood. Yeah, Fleetwood, just who were on a downward spiral. So they did a good result on the weekend. They just went level with us on points and they took yep. 16th off us. God damn it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so AFC Wimbledon, who are um, D3D4 podcast, said that they were terrible on the weekend. So it's it's going to be a really interesting game because it's uh, it's you would think we're playing a team in the you know lower down. They're not doing very well. But we, don't, we do better against the good teams. Mm. So... I don't know. Tuesday night is going to be fascinating to see how we perform and how we set up. And it's also important because, yeah, we've been thinking about looking up the table, but because they're the team that are sort of on the they're twenty second at the moment, they're twenty eight, but um, Burton on twenty one and Rochdale on twenty are also on twenty eight. So it's the sort of game that if they were to come to our place and win, we're suddenly only six points clear of relegation again. So it's yeah. the sort of thing that could drag us back down into it. Whereas a win would you know make us fairly comfortable again. Um, and obviously yeah. we've got a nine point gap. And we're not out so. of relegation because no. you know how crazy this league is. Yep. There's always a team that plummets from nowhere, 
and he could easily still be us on 37 points. You know, you, that's you know, I'm not saying we're not going to win again for the season. We're not saying that at all. No chance. But I think to say that we're there's no way we can get relegated. I don't think you could make that claim. Not yet. No, I think no. with the fact that we seem to have sort of one or two or three absolutely. games in hand over everybody down in that bottom um, ten, all we'd need to do is win at least one or win and win and draw a couple of couple of those, and, and you've probably got that buffer you need then. But yeah, another couple of wins really to see us up there. I mean, what's yeah. normally safety? Fifty points. That's another thirteen yeah. points. I, I think we'll easily get that. To be honest with you, so yeah, and we've we got gaming hands as well, haven't we, on the teams yeah. around us? So exactly. Um, so yeah. Fleetwood ahead of us and Swindon below us. We've played uh, we've played three less games than them. Um, oddly, Burton have got 29 games. Obviously, they're COVID and, and cancelling a couple of games and stuff. So I think Burton will be all right. So if we say Burton are probably going to be all right, Bristol Rovers, I think, are going to be all right. I reckon Swindon will go down. Um, I think Northampton and Wigan will probably go down as well. That means that, that leaves an em- one empty space. Maybe Rochdale. Yeah, or, I think Rochdale. They're spiralling, yeah. aren't they? They've not won in the last six or seven, something yeah. like that. They're last six the games, they've they've lost. Um, so last five, sorry. They, they've lost three and drawn Oof. two. It's not good. There we go. Anyway, we're gonna be we're we're gonna win two 0 on Tuesday night. So there we go, Ollie. Don't worry about it. That's my prediction for Tuesday. Um, <laughs> and then for if we do the one for Saturday, because that's what we normally look at. I think Fleetwood at home again. It's nice to have two home games back to back in a week, isn't it? That hasn't happened for yeah, a while. Yeah, that will help with the travel and stuff. For sure, yeah. So um, I don't know. I'm gonna go for us to beat Wimbledon, draw with Fleetwood. Four points this week. That'll be fine. So you go, what's the score um, for Fleetwood then? Uh, oh, one one. Something sort of classic one one. Okay, cool. I'm gonna go for a two one win on against Fleetwood. Um, I think we'll win both games this week. Oh, that would be grand. Well, then people will be talking about the playoffs again, Ollie, so we'll have something we new will, to talk exactly. about again next week. So, yeah, from, I'm, glad, I'm glad I don't go on Facebook anymore because, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't see that. Um, so that's interesting. But, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to looking forward to seeing how we perform on Saturday. Sorry, on how we perform on Saturday. But even more, I mean, what I meant to say is I'd be interested to see how we, we set up on Tuesday. The team selection, everything is going to be really fascinating. In some ways... Yeah, I like quite like looking at the teams coming out, but recently it's been quite boring. So I tell you what, guessing your team this um, Tuesday is going to be very hard. And sh- we should mention Ollie um, Fan Hub, shouldn't we? Yeah, because um, talking about mentioning teams, that's a really good place to do it. But go on, give us a bit of a, a brief on Fan Hub and what we've been doing. Yeah, so Fan Hub contacted us quite a while ago um, about kind of getting involved and supporting them, and and so basically Fan Hub is going to be is a fan is an app for fans. Um, and basically, you can do all sorts of things. So you can actually listen to Salacast on it. You can um, find news information. Um, when we can go back to grounds again, you can check in. Um, you can also predict the lineup, which is really easy because it, you don't have to like guess to get the numbers from the club website and put them into <laughs> some kind of random website. That does it does it all for you, and you you compete against other fans, um, fellow town fans, in terms of who's the best at predicting the lineup and stuff. So yeah, it's really good, um, and it should be. It's kind of in this kind of like. Um, kind of beta demo kind of you know limited access at the moment but it'll be going full um, to all fans soon so yeah definitely support that it looks like it's gonna be really good yeah we don't make any money out of it Ollie we should just no, say no, that no, now no, but no. I think it's a good place if you if you want to have the app on your phone and you can you know listen you listen to Salacast every week and you want to listen to it through that because it's a, a good avenue to get it but it also gives you a bit more content and a bit of the the, the sort of games and it's stuff good propositions as well so yeah. if you want to find out the the I don't know the the AFC Wimbledon podcast or the blog you go onto it, you click click the opposition, and there you have it. You get this yep. feed. So it's a really good way of finding content. So that's why you, so we're part of this fan 100, and there's like the Stacey West podcast from Lincoln, um, there's some um, Jills in the Blood um, for Gillingham, you know, all the top bloggers and um, V bloggers and podcasts are all on this app, all supporting it. So yeah, it's really good for that. It's good for content. It's, and also, maybe a few people might find Soundcast as well. So that'd yep. be cool. 
by the fans as well. That's the best thing yeah. about it, I, I thought, when we were getting involved in it. So, yeah, there we go. I thought I'd just mention that. And, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk more about it as it develops over the next year yeah. or so and they bring more features on board. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll leave it there. We'll be back to cover two games next week. Um, two games that we're going to win. Thanks for all these predictions. Hopefully, hopefully my predictions going to come true. <laughs> and, um, yeah, have a good week. Enjoy a bit of the sun for once. Uh, winter's, winter's getting out now towards spring. So, yeah, spring in our step as we go towards the next few games, Ollie. So, um, yeah, we'll catch you next Sunday. Oh!